In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Loving and merciful Father, we praise and bless, thank you. Send down your Spirit upon us, and enlighten our hearts and minds, that we may understand your word. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, you instructed the hearts of your faithful, grant us by the light of that same Spirit to relish what is right, and ever to rejoice in his holy consolations through Christ our Lord. St. John Vianney, pray for us. St. John Vianney was the patron of parish priests. He was a priest in France in the 19th century. He used to spend about 12 hours in the confessions every day. We are in the holy season of Lent, and over and over again, the theme of Jesus' ministry keeps coming to the fore. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. In his ministry throughout Galilee and Judea, Jesus keeps coming back to the need for repentance, which is a turning back, a change of direction. He gives the example of Jonah's preaching in Nineveh, where the prophet told the people that their city would be destroyed if they did not repent. And they did, and so was spirit. He gives the example of Sodom and Gomorrah and says to his contemporaries and to us, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Why is repentance so important? Because without it, there is no hope of, for salvation. And with it, we begin the very way back to God, through faith and baptism. When God gives us the gift of faith, and we receive baptism, all our sins are forgiven. And personal sins as well. We become children of God, heirs to his kingdom, members of the mystical body of Christ, and temples of the Holy Spirit. And this is just the down payment of all the many graces and blessings that God has in store for us. As St. Paul said, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. 
but let's come back to earth for a few minutes and that we remember that we are all sinners. Redeemed sinners, to be sure, but sinners nonetheless. There were only two people in all of human history who remained sinless throughout their entire lives. Jesus and his mother Mary. The, the rest of us are faced daily with the reality of our sins and weaknesses until the very day we die. Now God is well aware of that and in his mercy he has come to our rescue. In fact, he has loved us so much that he sent his only begotten Son to become one with us in all things but sin. He assumed our humanity and by his life, suffering, and death and glorious resurrection won for us eternal life. And we enter into that life through faith and baptism. We begin with a clean slate. And if we were to die right after baptism, we would go straight to heaven, bypassing the cleansing and purifying fire of purgatory. Straight to heaven. But for most of us, we continue our earthly journey with its ups and downs, sins and failures. We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And what happens when baptized Christians on this earthly pilgrimage stumble and fall into mortal or grave sin? Jesus has the answer and the remedy for that too. Now all of the above, my friends, is by way of introduction to our subject tonight, which is the sacrament of penance, also called confession or reconciliation. It is one of the seven sacraments of the Church. Now you will often hear it said, especially by non-Catholics, well, why do I need to confess my sins to a priest? Why do I need to confess my sins to a priest? And they say this sincerely. Why can't I go directly to God for forgiveness? It's a good question. But first, I would like to begin with a little story. A man was once perched on the top of the roof of his house during a flood, waiting for God to save him. A van had long since offered him a ride to safety, 
as did a boat and even a helicopter. But no, his trust was in God. He did not need their help. The man drowned. After his death, he cried out to God. I was counting on you. Why didn't you help me? God replied that he had helped him. He had sent the van, the boat, and the helicopter. So why had he refused God's help? We might ask ourselves, as the floodwaters rise up to our necks because of our sins, will we refuse God's help that he offers to us in saving us through the sacrament of penance, often called the second plank of salvation, baptism being the first, Will we presume to insist on God's extraordinary intervention when he has provided the means to forgiveness before our very eyes in the ministry of the priest in the confessional? It is as if Jesus himself were in the boat, calling out and offering to rescue ravaged men from the rising floods. The boat is the church, sometimes called the bark of Peter, through which God reconciles sinners to himself and to one another. To refuse God's help in the sacrament of confession is much more risky, is a much more risky venture than the man's refusal of the van, the boat and the helicopter. It is as if I were to say, no thanks God, I prefer my way, a direct outline between you and me. You see my point here? Well, of course, God doesn't have to choose to use secondary causes, like the priest, to forgive sins. God could grant you forgiveness without confession if you have perfect contrition, perfect sorrow for your sins. Because it offends God, who is, loving, who is our loving Father, who is all good and deserving of all our love, that's perfect contrition. And that kind of contrition is rare, even for a holy person. And you can never presume that you have that. Ordinarily, apart from a special grace, most sinners are not capable 
of such a pure altruistic act of love like that. It's much easier in confession where all you need is what we call imperfect contrition. That is, an act of sorrow or regret, remorse, because I've really screwed things up. I've messed up my life, and if I die in my sins, I might be condemned to hell forever. Self-serving, no doubt. But it gets the job done in confession. Now that presumes, of course, that our sorrow or contrition is real, genuine, however imperfect. Any questions thus far? So far, we've seen briefly, one, the need for repentance. Secondly, how much Jesus insisted on it. Thirdly, how God has provided for the remission of our sins through our faith in baptism. Unless one is born again, by water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And fourthly, how he provides for the forgiveness of sins committed after baptism, namely, by the sacrament of penance or confession. And fifthly, what kind of contrition or sorrow we need for confession, namely imperfect contrition. Now God could have chosen to save us from our sins in any number of ways. What is important, however, is not the ways in which God could have chosen to, to redeem us but rather the way he, is, he has in fact chosen and established as the means for our salvation. The Father sent the Son who became man, lived in our world, suffered, died on the cross, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. But can this forgiveness one, two thousand years ago, reach us here and now, today. On the evening of his resurrection from the dead, the Lord Jesus appeared to his apostles. He showed them the saving and life-giving wounds of his hands and side. Now you would think that at that moment Jesus would have read the riot act to them. One of you denied me. One of you betrayed me. And all of you 
abandoned me when I needed you most. Why? But no. Instead, what we do here is peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. What did he send them to do? The Gospel of John continues. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold the forgiveness, it is withheld. It is to the apostles, the first bishops of his church, that Jesus bestowed this ministry of reconciliation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it is first and foremost the power of the Holy Spirit that forgives sins. Jesus announces the Father's plan to forgive sins through their ministry. This sacramental ministry has been extended to all priests and passed on through the ages for the benefit of every time and place. This is the way that God has established. Christ announced it as, as an Easter gift to the church. And those he sends continues to share it until he comes back again. Yes, the sacrament of confession is the way God has established as the best and normal means of receiving reconciliation with himself and his church for grave sins committed after baptism. Again, God may choose to forgive someone apart from the sacrament of confession. God is not bound to the sacraments for our forgiveness. He can and often does forgive apart from the sacraments. But when and how this takes place, only God knows. It is far less certain <coughs> than what God has revealed in his holy word. There is a surety, a confidence of forgiveness when the priest in confession says, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Through the sacramental action of the priest, Christ himself acts. That's something characteristic of all the sacraments. They use visible, tangible material, material things to signify some spiritual effects 
and make them happen. Not only are they signs, but they make what they signify to be present. For example, the pouring of water in baptism signifies and produces spiritual rebirth. Bread and wine in the Eucharist signifies and makes present the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The oil of confirmation signifies and brings about strengthening in faith so that we can bear witness to Christ when we might ordinarily be tempted to remain silent. When the priest raises his hand in absolution, it is as if the Savior himself is stretching forth his wounded hand to heal and cleanse us of our sins. The audible words and visible gestures of absolution make perceptible what God is accomplishing in the depths of our soul through the sacrament. And thus we catch a glimpse of God's love at work in us through faith. The words and gestures of the priest and penitent in confessing his sins brings the penitent into sacramental contact with Christ's saving cross. This is a profound mystery and a profound encounter with the Lord Jesus that one could not have otherwise than through confession to a priest. And as a priest, I can tell you frankly that I know of no priest who enjoys sitting in the confessional for an hour or so hearing confessions. It can be a drudgery, believe me. Some people, especially the scrupulous person, can try your patience to the limit. But the Lord Jesus in his love and mercy welcomes and accepts everyone just as they are. And that is what the priest is called to do as well. Are you still with me? Any questions? Next, what do we need to confess? Well, obviously, grave or mortal sins need to be confessed in number and kind. For example, Twice I watched pornography and masturbated. Five times I talked about my neighbor behind her back and spread lies about her. Once I refused to forgive my brother. Twice I committed perjury. 
etc., etc. Don't go into details. Don't go into details. Just the kind of sin and the number of times, if it is serious sin. It's not necessary for the confession of less serious, or what we call venial sins, like impatience, or lying, or stealing small items. Though remember, we need to make restitution in serious matters, which can often be done by giving something to charity, when that's the only way possible. While it's not necessary to confess venial or small sins, by doing so, bring sacramental grace and special contact with Christ's saving death and resurrection. We can understand then why the Church so encourages frequent confession and indeed requires the faithful to confess their serious sins to a priest at least once a year if there is a grave or mortal sin. So wonderful are the effects of this sacrament that the Church shudders at the thought of anyone going without it for too long. So let's get practical. How do you go about it? Well, you walk into the confessionals in the back of the church, you kneel before the screen, sometimes a parish may have what is called a reconciliation room, and you can go face to face if you prefer. Here at St. Bertrand, Louis Bertrand's, we don't have that option. But you can be heard through the screen if you speak clearly and in a loud whisper. In my confessional, I have to use a mic on your side of the screen and earphones because I'm hard of hearing. And so you begin. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. This is my first confession. Or subsequently, my last confession was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, as the case may be. And these are my sins. In brief, be brief and remember only the kind of sin and the number of times as noted above. And at the end you say, I'm sorry for these and all the sins that I cannot remember and ask for absolution and penance from you, Father. Now please note, if you forget to mention a, a mortal sin, it's forgiven. No need to worry. But in your next confession, 
just tell the priest that in my last confession I forgot to mention such and such. Now if someone deliberately conceals a grave sin in confession, hides it because of embarrassment, then the confession is null and void, it's invalid. Sacrilegious, and one receives no forgiveness at all, but commits a grave sin of disrespect for a holy thing. One final note about what we call the seal of confession. Has anyone ever heard that term before? The seal of confession. This is a solemn obligation on the part of the priest not to reveal directly or indirectly any grave sin that he has heard in confession so that a penitent would be known or identified by what is said, even if his own life is at stake. To save my own life, I cannot reveal anything in the confessional, even if it means me going to jail. The penalty for doing this, for revealing a, a grave sin in the confessional, is this knowingly and deliberately, is that a priest would be automatically excommunicated from the church. And he, he could be absolved from such a grave sin by the bishop or priest delegated by the Holy See. high to our neck or simply need a fresh encounter with God's mercy, the Lord Jesus beckons us to the confessional. Why wait like the imperiled man on the roof for an exception, exceptional intervention of God when he draws so close to us even now to the priest? Why wait with agonizing uncertainty of a guilty conscience when Christ's words to his priest can lead to our benefit and salvation? If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. Are there any questions that I can You were, walk, you were kind of walking through what happens in confession, and you mentioned uh, the, the penitent confesses sins. Would you say a word about what happens next to usually? Oh, yeah. yeah. I meant to do that. 
So then, after one finishes his confession and says, Father, these are my sins, I ask for your mercy and for God's mercy and pardon. The priest might ask you uh, to clarify what you mean by such and such a uh, word, term, that he's not familiar with, perhaps. And, or he might uh, give you a few words of counsel on how to avoid the serious occasion of sin, like turning off the TV or no internet for a few days or something like that. But uh, and then he will probably give you a penance. Now for your penance, please say five Hail Marys, seven Hail Marys, and or some act of charity, or some act of self-denial, depending on the priest or the, uh, the season of the year. And then what you do at that moment is he'll say to you, now make your act of contrition. And so then you have, say this act of contrition that Father pointed out to you at the beginning. Uh, you don't have to make it long or short. In fact, you can use your own words. But most people find it's useful to have a short formula to say, I'm, oh my God, I'm hardly sorry for all my sins and so forth. But there, in the confessional, there's a card there with a number of options that you can use as your act of penance. And, um, and when you finish that, the priest will give you the absolution of your sins. And the important words are at the end, and I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, and God bless you. Did I leave something on? No, not the face. <laughs> so Father Breen has been hearing confessions, uh, I think, since before my parents were married. So this is a great opportunity to ask your questions about going to confession to a, a very experienced confessor about any questions or any anxieties you might have about going to confession. Um, this is a great moment to ask what's on your mind. Put you on the spot. Okay, so I went to a different RCI Maybe say a word about uh, how often someone might go to confession. Um, it's recommended that you go at least every month, or if you have that's if you have no serious sins, just to get the grace of the sacrament. But if there is some serious fault, I recommend you go immediately at the next opportunity. And here it's in Lewis Bertrand, we have confessions every day except Sunday at 11 o'clock. 
Yeah, that's often the question is, what do you do when someone com comes in who's a repeat offender? And that's a problem that discourages many people from coming. So what's the use? But that's the very time when we need sacrament more and more. And so the, remember that the Lord's mercy is infinite. We cannot put a limit to it. And God is willing to forgive us seven times, a hundred times a day if we come and ask Him with true sorrow in our hearts. So never be afraid to come to confession if you have committed any serious sin. Or if you have a, an addiction where you, you, you find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over again, the best way to overcome it is through frequent confession. And that's the way we can increase the sincerity of our sorrow to sin. If we constantly receive the grace of the sacrament that God, God offers to us in the sacrament. So if you try to go on a regular basis, like I try to go monthly, but you don't have mortal sin to confess, that's your fine. Just well, the question is, uh, if you find that you go to confession every month, but you don't have anything special to confess, only minor sins of impatience, lack of charity, so forth, still by coming to the sacrament, we receive the grace of the sacrament to overcome those imperfections, minor sins. Otherwise, you know, we can't tend to take them for granted and don't bother about them, don't even think that they're sins anymore. But God, through the power of the Spirit, enlightens our mind, enlightens our consciences to be aware that these are little impediments that keep us from God's love and holiness. And that's what we need to work on. Lent is a good time to do that. Make an examination of conscience every night. What are my sins? Maybe only I just dissipate or go a little lie or I just gossip or whatever. But then we can renew our sorrow for sin and by God's grace get the grace and the strength to overcome that at the next temptation. And also when you find out that you're constantly doing the same thing over and over again, Give yourself a little penance to do. Instead of listening to gossip, pray for that person about whom they're talking about. Make a little act of charity for that person. There are many ways in which we can counteract our sinful tendencies, the concupiscence of tendency to sin that is left over after original sin. question is, if you happen to be nervous about going to confession, 
can I do to overcome this nervousness that, uh, about going there, confession? I would suggest that you take five minutes and think about the passion of Jesus. And what is there in the passion of Jesus? The infinite love of God made manifest to us in the sufferings and death of Jesus, which he wants to reach out to us in loving kindness and forgiveness. Remember, we are in confession, we are confessing to, to Jesus. The priest is only an instrument to give, bring God's forgiveness to you. So never be afraid. Never be nervous about, he might scold me. We're not there to scold people. We're there to just convey God's infinite love and mercy to you when you are truly sorry for your sins. And even after you have to, even if you have to say a hundred times in a week that I did this and I did that, God's mercy is infinitely greater than your sinfulness. So don't think you're going to exhaust God's mercy by repeating the same things over and over again. You'll find that after a while that they become less and less. And if we have anything left over to do penance for after death, we always have purgatory, which is God's way of purifying us after we die from the in purgatory so that we can see God face to face. And scripture tells us no, only the pure of heart will see God. And so that purity of heart may, may need to come through the fires, the cleansing fires of purgatory. Let's just say for an example, a bank truck opened up $60,000 poured out of the back of the truck all over the highway, like 20000 So you, So you kind of take 20000 and you stick it in your pocket. You need to go to confession for that? And then and if you do, is, uh, is there any reparation? And then you, you just forgive and I can do it no Mary? The question is, if I uh, come across an accident where uh, a Brinks truck dumps out hundred million dollars on the road and I go out and pick up uh, 50,000 for myself and hijack it back to my house. Yeah, it's sin. You have to, it doesn't belong to you. That belongs to um, some company or the people who invest in the company. And uh, we have an obligation to make restitution, to return the money. Now, if years have passed, and then you remember, look, I did that 20, 30 years ago. I don't have money, any money left. What can I do? Well, you have to make some kind of restitution, and usually the suggestion is to give something to charity. You know, to help some poor people in their material needs. Probably the only thing you can do. I stole 50000 Huh? I stole 50000 spend it all, and I come to you and you, I need to make restitution. Like, how much money do I need to, like, pay back to charity? Well, if, if it's rather recent, I think you're responsible to return all of it. Well, about years past, not, you know, 
I don't have the money anymore. You don't have the money anymore. <laughs> and you're sort of like the prodigal son, you've hit rock bottom. Yes. The only thing you can do is to ask God for his mercy, forgiveness, and to make some restitution by saying a prayer for those people for whom, from whom you stole the money, or and give an act and give some money, whatever you can, to charity. Like twenty bucks. Whatever. But the obligation of restitution <laughs> is: if I steal hundred dollars, I give hundred dollars back, if possible. Sometimes you don't have it. A mortal sin is a grave offense against God, something serious like murder, robbery, uh, in, in large things, perjury uh, in court, adultery, masturbation, fornication. These are grave matters, but along with the grave matter, you have to have full knowledge that it, that it is grave matter, and thirdly, you have to have the full consent of your will. I did this knowingly and willingly, and not under compulsion. So remember, three things are required for serious mortal sins. Grave matter, full consent, and complete knowledge and awareness of the gravity of the sin. Some people, they are not aware that offering idols, offering worship to idols is a serious sin. Or going to seances, or Ouija boards and stuff like that, are sins against the first commandment. And so they don't confess them because they don't think it's nothing. No, I'm not hurting anybody. But it is a sin against the first commandment which tells us that we are to worship God alone. There's no substitutes allowed.